Hello, this is Susan Smith Nash, and I'm re-recording this podcast because I've been informed that it sounds like my computer has a heartbeat. <laughs> I have no idea where that's coming from. I don't think it's my heartbeat because the mic isn't any place near a pulse. So I've just come to the conclusion that my laptop is possessed. And um, anyway, so I'm going to re-record this, trying to make it sound a little better. And if you hear a heartbeat, please disregard it. Okay, so I'm continuing um, a four-part series. This is on disruptive technologies. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about disruptive technologies and distance education the impact of disruptive and sustainable technologies and um, the pursuit of primarily a post-high school, post-K-12 through education. Education is expensive. People will pay something for a rite of passage, but they have certain expectations of their tuition dollar. What this means to me as an instructor boils down to professionalism and flexibility. I have to make a commitment to deliverability and service. I can't let challenges dismay me. I can't let myself get caught up in being quote right or wrong. What I have to do is listen. And when I'm talking about this, even though I mean this in general terms, I'm speaking specifically about technology and its role in distance education. So in, in a sense, what I have to do is prepare. And I have to prepare in a different way than I might have in face-to-face -face instruction. I can't just go into my little study, dust, dust off last year's lecture notes, and then go in and drone on to my students. I also can't although I never could, <laughs> get away on charm, stage presence, and or facile banter. There's another issue, too. In terms of looking at online courses, hybrid courses, and distance education, there's a credibility issue that has to be taken into consideration. And I think it's better just to address that thing straight on. And the point is, and the fact of the matter is, traditional face-to-face -face programs are going to be threatened by online programs. They're also going to be threatened by hybrid programs that mix delivery systems, but they're going to be more threatened by the 100% online. Um, the straw argument that's usually used is, usually has something to do with like quality or standards. Now, that's a good thing because then it, it makes you have to make sure that your materials are of high quality. And usually what that means is that they're going to have to stand up to what is known as the no significant difference measure. And what is meant by that is that online and face-to-face need to have like no significant difference in terms of of outcomes, content, interactivity, uh, interaction, collaboration. Now, in my mind, that is definitely a straw argument. 
because what's really driving the issue is a combination of fear and exposure. The fear factor in distance education and in using disruptive technologies is the fact that providing high-quality education anytime and any place will absolutely take market share away from traditional campuses. And then the other element that has to be considered, I mean, even though people don't want to, is the exposure factor having to do with tenure. And I like to think that tenure is a good thing because it maintains the idea of academic integrity, freedom of speech, academic freedom, and it keeps people from being afraid to to research things that could be politically unpopular. However, what really happens anymore is the fact that some places have tenured faculty who have, in essence, retired on the job. And this is not a very good thing because as they retire on the job and do nothing or they realize that they are going to be there for the rest of their academic lives, they don't try at all to get along in some departments. So this this is not necessarily good when you come up against disruptive technology that requires people to either think in new ways or cooperate, be flexible, but above all, change. So we're kind of talking about change management. Anyway, I think that to overcome this, the intellectual content in online courses has to be solid and beyond reproach. There has to be a way to to welcome and integrate in all types of faculty, even the um, technological Luddites. <laughs> they can at least contribute to, to content, correct? And I think the key is to encourage creativity in ways that facilitate teamwork, partnering with traditional types, etc. I think that these things may, I mean, and I hope I'm emphasizing may, and I hope they may, overcome what I consider to be the kind of sickness of that plagues um, institutions, which is the sickness of jealousy and rivalry. So, anyway, I think the key is to make sure that technology and learning objects, learning objectives, etc., always fit within the overall mission of the of the institution, and it's important that when they come together, that one should never, ever, ever substitute fireworks and flash. I don't mean flash the the program, but just flashiness for the fundamentals. So again, the curriculum, delivery modes, content, and assessment should center around and on the institution's mission. If a technological innovation, delivery mode, or curriculum change does not support the mission of the institution, to implement it will be counterproductive.
The other day, the same professor who asked me about new hybrid solutions asked me how she could start podcasting. I was very excited about her enthusiasm, and I wanted to tell her what I know. Of course, my podcasts are kind of pathetic, so I think that would be like the incompetent leading the, the enthusiastic, which is never a good thing. But hey, at least I'm out there trying. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I was really impressed with what she wanted to do because she wanted to use it in terms of, of support services. She wanted to use um, a podcast to simulate a student's call to an advisor. And her idea was that this would give the student a sense of what it would be like to call in and ask questions and, and kind of, you know, give give a different um, look and feel to what the experience would be better than reading and better than just watching a, a, a PowerPoint. I was really impressed. I was impressed with her willingness to think about the different needs of the students, but not just in terms of needs, but the way that they would like to receive information and how they would understand information. I thought it was cool that she was like willing to think about the technology they were likely to have and be comfortable with. And so then it, it like reinforced to me that disruptive technologies really require us to step outside our comfort zones. And they require us to be outside the comfort zone in a way that makes us innovate. So then I started contemplating what it means to think about or have a comfort zone. And I realized, okay, it's not really about my comfort zone. My comfort zone doesn't matter anymore. It's the comfort zone of the students. That seemed really... um, like the heartbeat of the issue and you may have been listening to the heartbeat of my laptop <laughs> or whatever I'm using in in my uh, podcast but I hope that any kind of background s- stuff is not too dis- distracting and I hope that my delivery is understandable and c- compelling enough for you to like get into the topic because I'm really into the topic so give me a call Drop me a line, send me an email, um, communicate. I'd love to hear from you. This is Susan Smith-Nash, and these have been a few thoughts on e-learning.